Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning into Truth and Justice. I am back from assignment, and you are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 21, Alex. This week, we continued to pull the proverbial string of this case, and it led us to the May 2007 interview of Alex Fulon. I, for one, was shocked by what Alex had to say, and based on the listener questions, I'm not the only one. As almost always, I'm joined in studio today by the one and only Bob Ruff and the ever-amazing Janet Varney. So after this short break, we'll hear from both of them and dig into your listener questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. All right. uh, I just want to be real honest up front that uh, neither myself or Janet were in the room when Zach recorded the intro. And I'm a little nervous because I have no idea what you just said. So hopefully you behaved yourself. Um, But uh, everybody, welcome back to the show. We're all, Zach's back from his assignment. We're all here. We're in the studio. Uh, I've got a couple of things right up front before we get into the episode and your questions. Uh, thing number one was, was it Sa- uh, Sandy Melgar? Yes, please. Um, so I missed through, so I didn't catch it, the post on social media, uh, but Liz Rose reached out to me yesterday and there's, there's been, there's been some issues with her mom, with Sandy Melgar, uh, in the, in the medical unit where they, they weren't, and I'm trying to remember all the details off the top of my head. I'm going to direct you to a place where all those details are. Um, but they, they, they weren't allowing her to use her walker. She had fallen and hurt herself. She wasn't, she's not receiving the proper care. <sighs> Um, there's, there's apparently a particular nurse in the medical unit where she's at, uh, that is, that is, that is pretty awful. And, and we're just trying to get Sandy and the other inmates there, uh, just proper humane treatment. If you go to the truth and justice podcast fans page, and I'll also try to put it up on Twitter and Instagram. I can't figure out how to repost stuff on Instagram. 
Um, but I did pin uh, Pamela Westby had posted the message from Liz explaining everything on the the official fan page, okay. and I have that pinned to the featured um, uh, post. So it should be right at the top of the fan page. All the information, and and Liz is asking for people to write letters and make phone calls to a series of people to try to get um, some humane treatment for not only Sandy but everybody else. All that information is in that post. Okay. And again, I'll put it out on Twitter, and I will also put it out on Instagram if I can figure out how to do that. Um, I can help you do it, that. It, it makes a huge – what's that? I said I can help you do that because like, I know how to repost stuff. Perfect. Uh, Janet will help with that. And I'm sure Kelly knows how to do some of that stuff too. So we'll get that out, but uh, it really does make a difference when they, when they get a lot of people um, that are, that are writing and getting their attention. So please take a minute and check out those posts. Uh, also, if you just go to the Free Sandy Melgar Facebook page um, on the Free Sandy Melgar page, and I think they also have a Twitter and an Instagram as well. Uh, all the information is there. So please go through it, read about the situation, and and take a few minutes and write a letter, send an email, make a phone call, uh, anything we can do to help support Sandy. Um, and again, it's not just Sandy. I mean, this sounds like this is a pretty, pretty kind of nurse ratchet oh, situation sure. going on at the, in the medical <sighs> unit. Um, so that's thing one thing two. So we're about to read, and I know this is the truth and justice feed, but a lot of, we have tons of crossover from both of you guys. So I'm going to put it out here as well. Um, we are about to record the hundredth episode of true crime binge. Uh, next week. So we're a hundred episodes. I, I should have probably made it. Erica pointed out to me that I probably should have like mentioned or made a big deal, but we crossed a, a million downloads. Nice. We got, That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, That's so, huge. So yay for us. Um, uh, but we decided for our hundredth episode that we want to do, uh, some fan interaction and do kind of an ask me anything AMA situation. So, um, I, I know Erica's putting out on, on the true crime binge pages, but I thought I'd, I'd put it here too. That next Tuesday, which I think is the 23rd, it's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to do a YouTube Live. Now, we're going to – one of the reasons I'm mentioning it here is we're going to do it on the Truth and Justice YouTube channel. And the re, only reason for that is you can't just start a YouTube channel and do lives. You have to like you have to like establish that you're around for so long, hit so many downloads and or so many views and – and since we already have this established YouTube channel, I don't want to manage two of them. Um, so on the Truth and Justice, the, for those of you that are on YouTube right now, on this YouTube channel, it's 7 p.m. next Tuesday evening, the 23rd, Eastern Time. Um, I'm actually going to have Eric. So Erica, for those of you that listen to True Crime Binge, you know she's always like on the calls, muted in the background, and she does a lot of the research and the guest booking and stuff like that. Uh, and she gets picked on a lot because she can't defend herself because she has no microphone. Uh, she will. So it's going to be me and Erica together uh, fielding some pre-prepared questions from listeners and um, questions that come through the live chat in the YouTube. So I can't Love wait it. to send my questions to Erica. I know. Yeah, I'll make sure Erica. Around you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see it gets adjusted from ask me anything to AMSS, some stuff. Ask me some stuff. Right. Ask me some stuff. stuff. Whatever I decide that you're allowed That's to right. ask me. But it should be fun. It was just we wanted to, you know, it just happened to be that we, you know, we crossed a million episodes actually a little while ago, or a million downloads, and um, it's the 100 episodes, so it was kind of a fan appreciation thing that we're doing. So check that out next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on this YouTube channel. And then other than that, I think we're done with housekeeping stuff, unless you have anything else on your 
thing, Janet? Well, if you are not part of the uh, YouTube chat, but you did send Zap a uh, pirate hat or two and maybe an eye patch or two, (laughs) it's a mystery where it came from. Um, Maybe it was meant to be a mystery, but if it wasn't, uh, we don't know who you are, but it's very much appreciated. Right, Zap? Yeah, thank you guys so much. I, I'd love to say thank you. I just don't know who sent it, so I, I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, we got in our in our group chat. Zach sent a text like, "I don't know who, what the hell, and who sent this, but it was a whole pirate hat, yep. love it, eye patch, patch. yeah, the mm-hmm. whole thing." Somebody sent, so that was nice. They sent it to his shop. Great. Um, all right, and then so all right, let's get going. Uh, first question that, that a lot of people ask is: it Fulon or Foulon? I'm pretty sure it's Fulon. I misspoke in the beginning of the intro, uh, but that's what we're going to be discussing: is the Alex. Fulon, I believe, episode. Yeah. And I know I started getting texts from you guys immediately on Sunday when you were when you were listening. Uh, we'll start with you this week, Janet. What was your your overall take on things? Well, I mean, obviously, when someone tells a story or two like the ones that Alex uh, came out with about Austin, that was a, a series of red flags. Um, I think we've sort of been edging that way a little bit. Um but, you know, I thought it was obviously fascinating, very concerning. I think I have a question that many, many people had as well, which is the sort of general, please tell us that this was all followed up on, uh, even though we're not really thinking that maybe it was. <laughs> it was. You would think. I mean, I just can't. I can't on, believe but... that. I can't. I can't believe that. I was yesterday again, I was digging through and doing like, like keyword searches and everything. Like besides like just the way I have the the case file broken down, yeah. but just trying to find any mention, like, did they look into Austin Alba at all? And all I can find, and maybe there's something else in there that I'm missing, but all I can find is the one four minute interview where they were just asking him about, um, about Jacob's alibi. That's all that's there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty I, frustrating. I can't believe that. Um, but, but what, what did, what did you guys think about, this was one of the first interviews that I, that I've listened to, honestly, where I was like, okay, like this dude seems like a straight shooter. Like, like I, I didn't get any indication that he was trying to hide anything or that he was making stuff up. Now that was just my impression of him, but it was one, you know, like, like a lot of the interviews we hear where it's like, what are they hiding? Why are they overselling this? And they're, he seemed to be, to be, to be being pretty forthcoming. I thought, what did you guys think? I had the same opinion. It felt like he was trying to be truthful, whether he knows really what happened or not. He seemed like he was trying to be truthful. The one thing I really was, I really wish we could know is what's said at the very beginning of that interview, because the the officer asked him, does, do, do you have any, or does Becky have any problems with anybody? She's like, Oh, I only know Becky to have problems with this one person. And then there's a bunch of like, they're fidgeting with microphones for 15 seconds right. and then it comes back and then he's like, it's Austin Alba, but you don't know what's, they're clearly talking. Right. But so there's, they're moving around. Yeah. So I really, maybe it's nothing. I just wish I knew what was in that. Well, I have to, seconds there. I have to, as you guys know, I was out of town last week um, and I've got the, I've got his transcript that I just had to go through and finish redacting. Okay. Um, and I'll get the, by the time the listeners hear this, I'll have the transcript. So maybe they caught it. Cause sometimes they'll really like, you know, mm-hmm. listen closely in those moments and try to, uh, hear what it, hear you know hear what was being said there, um, but we we definitely got some new information there. Like we hear uh, this is uh, so one of our listeners um, Betsy is also she she works at uh, my gym. I just started this morning, um, but she, she had messaged me after that and she goes this said, this is the first time we've heard someone talk about hate with Becky. Like all of a sudden like we're getting and that was kind of like like 
you know, he's, he was saying, you know, the problems he had with Becky, which wasn't, but he was like, Austin hated her Mm -hmm. and they were, and so we were starting to hear some, you know, so we're learning a little more about the victimology. I think you've got this core group that is real close to her. And for whatever reason, I'm not, I don't know if it's because they're involved or for some other reason, but the people that were the closest to her, like Javier and Jacob and some of those guys, like they're lying about a lot of stuff and it's hard to get a clear picture of, you know, like you know, both of them, everything's like, you know, rainbows and unicorns with those guys. And it's like, all of a sudden we take like one step away and we're getting a clearer picture. You know, we talked about her sister and the, we, we learned a little bit there why she moved back. You know, people were wondering, why did she move? You know, why she moved back, at least according to Alex, back into her mom's house from when she was living with Tiffany and Chuck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we heard a little bit about her, her dad and some, you know, alleged abuse that, that went on with her dad and something. So we're, we're picking up little bits of victimology. Um, it seems like when we just step a little bit away from people that are real close to mm. the situation. It's, it's strange too that, I mean, it took until the following spring to get to Alex for them to talk to him and then to not go back to, to talk to Austin. I, I don't know. I, I feel <laughs> very indifferent about this whole situation indifference i i i feel some kind of way about the, <laughs> like alex is the person Javier like like in uh, javier's first you know his first in his interview he's like yeah alex was calling me and wanted to hang out and i was talking mm-hmm. to alex like alex is named at the beginning and then like they wait until you know six eight months before they before they talk to him um Interesting. Do you have any other thoughts, Janet, before we move on to questions? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I would just say I agree with you guys. I, I think there was something very compelling about uh, not just the actual things he was saying, but there was something compelling about the fact that, <laughs> how do I say this? I didn't feel like he was particularly excited to be talking to cops. I didn't feel like he was particularly respectful right. of cops. Yet I feel that he cared enough about what happened to be having those conversations. And there was something about that that appealed to me because it, it that's what felt forthcoming. Like, that's what felt honest to me it was like yeah. he had no issue saying, like, sure, people can kill each other. Like, yeah, if you hate someone enough, like anybody's capable of murder, which is not something you imagine Javi saying when he's trying so right. hard to, like, help the case and not put sh- you know shade on himself or whatever for very good reasons and very honest, re- you know very innocent reasons potentially but um i just felt like yeah he was very he was a straight shooter in a way that didn't necessarily make him seem like the perfect dude or super respectful of law enforcement yeah. and even calling him them out and being like yeah i was kind of surprised i didn't hear from you until now like what's up with that um i appreciated right. all of that he, 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 yeah it's like he had this like the, the attitude that i took from him was is that he was like well i know that i'm not a suspect yeah so I'm not worried. Like, I'll tell you whatever. And you I'll tell you, we had words. I'll tell you, we weren't getting along. I'll tell you, like, I wasn't hanging out with her at mm-hmm. that time. We were having problems. All that kind of stuff was just very like, yeah, I'll say, I'll say, yeah. you know, it would just be hard to imagine where you would stop if you were going to withhold information in that he seemed like he was giving information that someone else might withhold. Do you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I also like the way that, you know, like he, he tells a story about Austin, you know, and he's very cool. Like this, you know, that that i heard from nick i don't know you'll have to talk to nick and then but the whole incident at the mall that was stuck out to me huge oh yeah obviously now we don't know we don't really know where that comes from or what that is but i mean that was huge yeah but what i liked about it is that he so he tells that story but then he's also clear to say he's like i'm not saying he had like i I have no idea who did this and I'm, i'm just telling you what i know and it 
it was like it was it just I just got the feeling that it wasn't like he was like I'm trying to push you in that direction. You like, you know, like someone might do if they're making something up to, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like, look, this happened. Thought you guys should know. Yeah. But then he, he goes, he goes on, you know, when he says, who do you think did it? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, man, Austin's weird, but I don't know that he would do that. Well, I think he said, I think the officer asked him if Austin was violent. And I think he says, he's like, I don't, I don't really think Austin's right. violent. He's strange. He does some weird things, but I don't think he's necessarily violent. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there was a lot of that stuff that to me just, it, it just struck me as being, Honest, at least at least his truth, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into it. Uh, I think, you know, as I said, uh, I, I remember seeing a comment from Lucy and a few other people uh, about the credibility that they agree that Alex seemed very credible. Um, Gareth says, I might be misremembering, but I think Alex said he had gone up to the uh, gone up the hill on Monday. You're not misremembering, Gareth, after he'd heard what happened uh, and that he heard from Alan that this happened. And I'm glad that, right. that you mentioned that, Gareth. And I, I see uh, that's coming up in the chat as well. I just saw that uh, that Alan mentioned, yeah, from Montana, um, because he is a person that I've sort of had pinned in my head about whether they talked to him or not, because we talked about him last week, which, you know, the right. fact that he didn't like Becky either and that he was sort of seen to be the center point of some of the information that was coming out to people in addition to Javi. Um, yeah. I did find a little bit more about him. Now, there's still no excuse for the police not to have talked to him, but he is. So Alan is uh, is passed away, and it, and it it seems like there's some interesting circumstances there. And I'm only I've only just read a little bit about it, but it seems like I 2010 2000. It was a couple of years at least after this, and he he died from fatal gunshot wound to the head that was ruled. Suicide, but like, like that's a whole other story that I haven't dug into deeply. But from what I've heard, I haven't seen case documents on it. That, that there's people in his family that don't believe it was a suicide because there was three gunshots to the head. Hmm. Okay, but it was ruled a suicide. Oh, um, goodness, who passed away? I'm talking about Alan Gerber. Yeah. Someone in the YouTube mm-hmm. chat asked yeah. us talking about. But I, I told you they, they did interview his brother at one point, and maybe that was because you know, it was later on, and maybe it was because it was after Alan had passed away. But police didn't don't seem to have talked to him huh. like right away, which is crazy because he was like seemed to be the, one of the first sources of information. Yeah. Right, but it's also plausible why he's the first source of information because he that lived he lives up there. Up there and, and, oh yeah, I don't think there's yeah. anything like you know suspicious about it. But it was like if 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 you have multiple people telling you, oh, Alan Gerber told me mm-hmm. about the fire, you'd want to go talk to Alan Gerber. How did you hear about the fire? Right. And it could be I saw the fire truck. Whatever the answer is, it seems like the conversation that that should have happened, right? Uh, that I haven't been able to find, mm. you know, that it did happen so far. Ugh, that sounds tragic. Um, poor Alan. Okay, uh, so that's part of the question. And then um, just to circle back on this idea of Alex, yes, he did say that he had gone up and he needed to see for himself. So um, Gareth is trying to figure out the timing of that. Like when he went up there to see it for himself, was that the same time as Javi and the others? Was there? crossover there obviously he was not interviewed on the scene so perhaps it was later but just interesting that he was up there also on monday some of that's confusing to me because it, I, I i almost think there might have been multiple trips because we hear it was um javier and Bo who were there with nick corline and the, all three of them were interviewed that alex says he was there also like i don't know if he was there and just didn't get interviewed or if he wasn't there and went on a different trip 
like later on in the day or another time. I don't, I don't know. Um, that's kind of what, that's the impression I got. People, yeah. And, and we'll, we'll hear from, from Nick Crumb too, not to give too much of it away from there, but he also says he was there at one point with Javi and them and didn't get out of the car and didn't get interviewed. Mm. Um, but remembers going up there. But so, so there, there I, I feel like there must have been two trips. Hmm. That's interesting. I can I could see some morbid curiosity though of you hear your friend passed oh, yeah. away, you hear your friend's house burned down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think there's up, anything like, suspicious about anybody going up there. I would yeah, do the same thing. For sure. If I, I have in circumstances where tragedies have happened, like immediately like went there to mm-hmm. you know, be with the family, see what was going on, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, and I will say Michelle, Marissa, Kristen, Kelly, Gareth, this came up a lot on the Facebook page. Um, Alex mentioned that the person took the handles off the wheelbarrow. This is very early in the conversation that he has with the police. So he feels that they must have known what they were doing. So we as listeners have the information that as far as we know, the police sawed off those handles instead of bringing the whole wheelbarrow into evidence. Wow. Wow. Uh, just a reminder. Wow. Interesting choice. And uh, and so is there anything we should make of Alex knowing this and then, you know, sort of through the grapevine, perhaps it being attributed to the the killers or killer? No, I think it just it it just speaks to the fact that, you know, doesn't have rumors, gossip, guilty knowledge of the crime. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it, he's said he's been up there. Uh, Javi has pictures of. Becky in the in the wheelbarrow, uh, or not Becky in the wheelbarrow, but pictures of the wheelbarrow. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard that yet. No, 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 no. Okay, disregard that. Um, you'll hear it later. Um, but but so like so he has seen. I'll put it this way: he has seen the wheelbarrow after the fact, and and the fact that he assumes that because the handles are gone, that the killer took the handles mm-hmm. makes sense. You know that, right. that he could, that he that maybe jumped to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. When in fact we do know that it was the officers, and again, interesting choice—the barrel where the body was, and possibly bullet fragments or anything that could have been in that wheelbarrow—they just left there and just took the handles. So strange. Uh, Jason says it seems like a throwaway line at the end, but Alex was surprised. Quotes that surprised that they didn't talk to him sooner because he was at the party uh, the night before at Nick's. Um, Jason wonders: is that indicating there was something significant about that party that would have made him? Uh, a good candidate to be interviewed. Shouldn't the detective have asked more about that? And then he also worries he's overanalyzing. Um, I mean, I think that's a good question to ask. And I think also I'm glad you brought it up, Jason, because it helps with us wanting to clarify. Again, we have this kind of the party. Was that party on Friday or was the party on Saturday? Mm -hmm. Is it another? I mean, in his case, months later interview, uh, he perhaps remembers it as being the night before. But I, it's a it's a really good catch because I I mean I just assumed that he meant the party Friday because again this is eight months later that it was so it was two nights before not maybe there was another party on Saturday I don't know um, I know Becky was at work and you know so that she wasn't there but the 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 good the good catch there is why would a party a night or two before be significant and maybe it's not right. you maybe you're overanalyzing. And maybe I am too, but um, yeah, it's interesting that he says, I thought you would have talked to me because I was at the party that Becky wasn't at, by the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Becky just came later and then and got Javi. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know the answer to it, but it's interesting. Okay, now I'm in an awkward position where I wanted to make sure to answer this, uh, to get this question asked for Rachel from Facebook. And I'm really hoping the chat, this is going to be a real live time. Can the chat help me? Because um, Rachel has quoted minutes 3318, minute 3318, in quotes, the night it was gonna happen. Gonna, Mm -hmm. as in was planned ahead of time. So... Yeah. What could you can we circle back on that? Because I, I I know that there's a the yeah. sense of like, why would you use gonna like everyone like someone knew it was going to happen? Yeah, I, a lot of people pointed that out. Okay. It could be something I, I didn't. Based on everything else from Alex's interview and his willingness to help but not overstep. To me, it just, you know, he just, it, it sounded to me like he just chose the wrong words. But yeah, what he says is it, it, he's talking about something. I don't remember what it was because no, no, no that was the night it was going to happen. And yeah, if you, if you take that little what he said was the night it was going to happen, which would indicate someone knew that it was going to happen. I didn't really. Y- yes, you're 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 right in saying that the way he phrased that made it sound like they knew it was going to happen. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's the case. I th- I just and I could be totally wrong, but I just I think that if he knew something like that, he would be very willing to tell the officers like, no, no, no. So-and-so was talking about it happening. Well, it looks like a lot of the the YouTube listeners are saying that they believe it's the hike. They're talking about the hike happening. Oh, oh yeah. That could be too. The hike was supposed to happen. I'm I'm trying to think it would have happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think the hike was going to happen. Yeah. I'd have to re-listen and see if that's when they were talking. Cause I remember hearing it thinking, Hmm, that's interesting, but yeah, that could be. um, So thanks chat. That's you're, you're probably right. That makes more sense. Um, Okay. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Uh, Caroline and uh, other folks also definitely wanted Steve, Lucy, everybody was kind of asking about this as well. Do the investigators ever find or talk to Jessica Henry, who Alex mentions about seeing the garbage bags in Austin's trunk? Yes. And you'll be hearing from, um, Jessica Henry soon. Um, either I, I'm, I'm actually going to try and reach out and see if I can talk to her personally, but there's, there's definitely interviews in there because there's a lot of interest. We get a lot more in- interesting information from as we move the as as the rings kind of move away from the center of this. People that are less s- tightly attached, we get more. Like I was saying about victimology and things like that, people are seem to be being more honest about things. For example, you know, we hear from Alex that you know the reason that he didn't like Becky, he he didn't put it in these words, but the way that I took it. I don't think he articulated it well, but the way I took what he was saying was because, you know, he said that, well, she dated his cousin and that's messed up and he liked her. 
Um, but the way I took it was like he was like mad at Becky because she knew that Javi really liked her and she kind of teased him and 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 dated people around him and that was hurtful and that's why he was mad. Well, as, as we hear, the more more and more interviews of people we're we're going to hear from more people that had a problem with Becky for that reason and and more people that um, kind of reiterate what Alex said, which is what. What Javi was saying about, you know, no, we were just friends and that's all I ever wanted. I didn't want to. Yeah, he kind of says that, well, Becky didn't want more. But then he says, oh, I didn't either. And I was happy right. with that. It sounds like from a lot of people that were around him that that wasn't the case, that he was actually very much <sighs> in in love with Becky and really cared a lot about Becky and wanted more out of that relationship. Um, well, and the more and more we hear, I mean, you, you, you have heard the word now obsessed. Yeah. Right? We've heard that in an interview now that he mm-hmm. was obsessed with her and he. He loved her so much and he just that so you're starting to see that come together right well it's it's and that could be the big thing that you know when we say that uh, when we heard this interview that it seemed like there was there was some big secret mm-hmm. and that could have been it and that could have nothing to do with the crime right. but that could be what he was kind of hiding there too well i that again it's all very tragic to me even no matter what happened or who was the target that's another piece of this that just feels so tragic and and so again adolescent not that this doesn't happen as an adult as well but you know we talked about it with Shiloh and Scott a little bit which I thought was so helpful the sort of inner monologue of both Becky and Javi I loved I believe it was Shiloh that said something about Javi making her feel safe and if she's somebody who's gone through trauma if she's somebody who's had bad experiences with men in her life which perhaps we're hearing Mm -hmm. you know as we've heard consistently little sprinkles of with her own father um to want to have that closeness with someone that she really loves and trusts and to kind of want to have that like high school marriage situation with this kid who's kind of her best friend, who also, by the way, is in love with her. But she doesn't want what she associates romance or sex or whatever. She doesn't want that right. to contaminate that. And I think that's very, very common. And so yeah. it's not a ba- I don't think. I think it's very easy as a friend of Javi's to read into that and to think, oh, she's she's teasing him. She's torturing him. She likes that, you know, she's dating his cousin right in front of him. But I seriously doubt it was like that. I feel like it was probably much more that she loved Javi also and she would and that she would not like in her mind. She wasn't she was also she sounded like she had self-esteem issues. She might be like, I'm sparing him what it's like to have me as a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And he gets the best part yeah. of me. You know what I mean? So it's all very tragic well, it, to me. It, yeah. And you got to remember there's two different – everything is always perspective, right? And there's two different – which that could be you know, a very – exactly what you described. It could be a very um, genuine love from from Becky towards Javi and, and that she – the boundaries she has set make sense to her and she likes that relationship. That can all be true, and it, that but that doesn't mean – that on the other side, that Javi could be wanting more 100%. out of that relationship, yes, um, yes. And, and and be bothersome to them, and and it sounds like he was pretty, well, here he was pretty upset about. It seems like from what some of the friends say that he was pretty upset about that. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked in the YouTube chat. I'm not going to say the name because I I can barely read it and I'll butcher it. Uh, but somebody asked if we're going to hear Bo's May interview soon. Yeah. So Bo was interviewed again in May. We're we're going to hear some of that. Some of these are, I'm going to try to I'm, – I'm trying to find when I have time. Um, so, for example, this week we're going to hear Nick Crumb's interview that I did with him. Well, Nick was interviewed by police two other times too. Um, 
in, in, in an attempt to try to move us along a little bit, I'll be dropping some of um, some audio in as, as like bonus episodes. Okay. So so like this week you'll hear Nick's interview with me. And then I'm going to play his other two police interviews throughout the week just as bonus. So so that my hope is that trying to kind of find a happy balance. And I, and, and I can't always do that. I don't always have the time to do that. Um, but the, my, my hope is that we'll find that balance for the people that, you know, want to move along and you don't care what he said to police because you got this interview. You can just listen to my interview with him. We discuss those interviews. And for people who just really want everything, there'll be bonus episodes out there that you can go listen to and get more information if you want to. Um, and so with Bose, I got to go through and review Bose too, and see if that's something that we'll play as a main episode, or if we will, uh, you know, put that, you know, maybe talk about it, move on, and then play that as a as a bonus. It just depends, you know, on how things how things shake out. Because I've also got, I've got coming up, um, I'm going down to Kansas City. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of announcing stuff, but I'm going to Kansas City on September 8th, I believe, for. Generation Y, they're doing a big thing for their um, 10 year anniversary that I'm going to be speaking at. And then at the end of September, I'm going to Ohio to Obsess Fest with Patrick and Jillian with True Crime Obsessed. I'll be speaking there too. So those, you know, those kind of work trips make the schedule tight. So sometimes, you know, those will be times where I might just play those interviews as opposed to writing a whole episode. Sorry, it's, a little, it's more housekeeping stuff, but just to kind of keep you guys in the loop of where sure. things are going. Sure. Well, as you can see from the questions and from the chat, you know, we're all very interested in digesting whatever you're putting out there. And so um, Mm -hmm. it's all of that is valuable. Uh, Michelle and, of course, everyone, Janiyah, everyone else, we all want to know, was Austin uh, Austin Alba's alibi? Feel free to say that eight times quickly. Uh, Was Austin Alba's alibi confirmed by investigators? Real quick, I just want to say Porphyra. Porphyria fourteen mm-hmm. is the one that asked the question about. Bose. She, <laughs> they, they they had put on on the YouTube chat that they need a more pronounceable username so they can get a shout out. So there's my attempt at your shout out. Um, and I'm sorry, you asked, briefly. What was it about Austin Elbow's alibi you were asking? I mean, are you gonna? We're all oh, gonna keep asking. I feel like we're all just gonna keep asking this because it beggars belief that these the answer might be no. But like. Was his alibi ever confirmed with this nameless friend that he was just with for a long period of time up in Hemet? Yeah, no. All we know is his alibi is that he was up near the crime scene with a nameless friend and got home at two in the morning. That's all we know. I mean, when they're talking to Alex, they're asking <laughs> the right questions. They're asking questions yeah. that suggest they are very interested in this line of conversation. And they're asking the questions. You would assume someone who's seeing those red flags is going, "Okay, this needs to be followed up on. Did he have? Did you see weapons? Did you da da?" And like everything that Alex responds to, sort of seems to affirm the need to follow that up. It's like, well, he did have a knife he used to play with in front of people. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this idea that that would just fall away. I can't wrap my head around it at all, and I'm sure no one else can. Yeah, I- Essentially, LeClaire's asking him, you know, well, tell me about the. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I think Nick said that. And by the way, they talked to Nick 10 years later. Ooh. Yeah. So, so wrap your head around that. I think Nick said that he had a shotgun and he told me, hey, you want me to take care of her? You know what happened to the last bitch I didn't like? And oh, he had a knife he waved around and, and he hated Becky. And he's like, okay, get, tell me more about all this. 
okay. And he's like, all right, well, I don't see any reason to follow up on any of that. And just, that was it. Uh, okay. I, I will say this. I want to interject this. I want to interject this here. I have a suspicion and it's nothing more than that. Uh, but, but you'll hear this weekend, maybe why I have some of that suspicion. I have a suspicion that there was more investigating done about some other parties that aren't in the case file. And I don't mean like I don't have them in my file. I mean that like we're withheld in the case. Well, I'm not surprised. I've said before, I do not believe that we have all the phone records. I do not believe the defense had all the phone records. I I don't believe, I don't believe they wouldn't have got sector data. I don't believe they wouldn't have gotten text records from Robert, um, particularly Robert. Uh, so I have a suspicion that there was more to that. Um, there's people like I, I have a really hard time believing that they didn't look more into Austin, but there's nothing in the file. Denny's. Yeah. That they didn't. I mean, Jesus Christ. Was it, uh, Nick Corline was like, you should talk to Denny's. You should talk to her friends at Denny's. Mm -hmm. Like, did they not talk to anybody at Denny's? I don't know if they like, because in some places they're so thorough. And asking all these questions to the point where it's annoying, and then there's, but then they don't follow. But then you also have the fact that this whole friend group has connections to law enforcement. Corey Donovan's dad's a cop. Jacob Santiago's stepdad's a cop. Javier's dad is a DA investigator. You know, there's 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 a ton of law enforcement connections with all these kids. You you have to believe it because you can't. I mean, this not this entire interview, but almost this entire interview points to Austin. He keeps yeah. saying Austin. He keeps talking mm-hmm. about Austin. And I can't believe that they were so incompetent to not follow up on Austin. Right. It's hard to believe that. Yeah. And so just to tease this out a little bit more, and I know you don't want to say too much, but when something like that happens, it probably didn't happen at the police level. I mean, this is, again, this total speculation or is this this sort of like, is there, is it generally in a situation like that, that perhaps um, the a turn like the DA's office would be why am I acting like no one I don't want to hear me won't hear me if I talk in a slightly lower voice <laughs> if you just be a mumbling quieter, if the DA is listening to this right now go ahead and get yourself a sandwich uh would they be the ones that would withhold that or because the would know. the police turn everything over like where do those omissions occur it's hard to say I guess uh, we've seen Could be these, anywhere. and it may not be the it may and not it be may the not case be here at all maybe everything's there yeah. Or if they withheld, like it could be through the, I've seen cases where the police just didn't pass things along to the DA. I've seen things where once it got to the DA's office, they're like, well, let's just pull this out of discovery before we turn it over. You know, that's why. Because it doesn't help our case. Because of Brady violation. Right. Yeah. Right. Or hurts your case. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, Sally, continuing the line of what I'm sure will be frustrating answers regarding Austin. Sally asks, do we know Austin's cell phone number? And whether it showed up on anyone else's phone records on Sunday evening, could it be one of the numbers that we previously didn't know? And I'm assuming that there are no, more I... numbers that you've discovered. I mean, I just went back and re-listened to the phone call episode. But that was so long yeah. ago, and I know you found more numbers since then, and they're probably yeah, on the call it, sheet. Yeah, a couple but... episodes ago, I added a new, um, to the case file, a new updated um, call log with a few, like we Alex's number is in there. Um Jacob and Austin's home number is in there. Um, I do have Austin Alba's cell phone number, but it wasn't um, in, in anybody's calls that day. 
And also some people on the fan page have asked me, they're like, Hey, cause they're working out timelines and stuff that like, can you give us, um, the call records for like for all day Sunday and Saturday and Friday all the way back through Thursday. So I'm, I, I, I want you guys, and I mentioned this on the page, but I am working on that right now. But, but again, the, the problem with that is I cannot turn over a do- publish a document full of phone we numbers. Know. So I have to go through and decode every single number we know. and change it into a name right. and then put it into a different document before I can do that. So I'm working, I'm, I'm trying to like, while I'm working on the episodes and the research and the current investigation, going back and, and, and when I have free time, I'm trying to fill in those phone records so we can get right. more of that information out there as well. No, we know. And we, we appreciate that. Um, very quick question about the phone records while it's on my mind. Uh, how far back do they go? Like when you like, for example, when we talk about Javi not being in touch with Becky on Sunday night and that being very unusual, like, do we have another Sunday to compare it to? Or are we just looking at the sort of like wash of a few days? Yeah, I forget. So I'm trying to remember, but the, they're all a couple weeks. OK, I think I think Javier's might be from the first of the month through okay. the end of the month. Um, One of them goes back into September a little bit. I, and I could be flip flopping and mixing some of these. OK. Uh, some of these up, but they all they all go back a couple of weeks. And I, I know from what we have, like during that month, just from like the two weeks of records that we have, there are something like six hundred points of contact right. between Becky and Javier. Right. Um. So there's yeah. So it's it, it's Saturday night, Sunday night. Yeah. We, and I have gone back and looked at like other weekends, Saturdays and Sundays when she's working, yeah. and it's pretty consistent. Okay. They talk all the time. I'm glad that you. I'm glad we clarified that because I keep I kept trying to think. Of reasons why that contact would be more limited. So I was like, oh, well, if he has school the next morning and so does she, like maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe like typically on a Sunday, they actually wouldn't have as much contact because it's the end of the weekend or whatever. So it's good to just hear you say like it's no, there's a consistency there that we just don't see. There's on a that consistency. And, and that's part of why I have a problem with this is not only is there a consistency with their, of their contact. But now we have Bo saying and I'm trying to remember if it was again, I have so many interviews running through my head. Um, but I know Bo said, and maybe Alex did too, that there was there was a plan to go see Becky that night with Javier. Right. That for sure Bo said that. Like, yes. yeah, we were supposed to go see her that night. And then for I think he says for whatever reason we didn't. So it's like so Javier had a plan with his friends to go see Becky, but then just doesn't, and then he just and then after he doesn't see it, it's like also there's no content. And then there's this weird call to Denny's, which he says he never does. I just had a thought. Were, have we been thinking that Bo was saying that he was supposed to go up to Becky's house or was he saying that they were going to swing by Denny's together to visit her and say hi on Sunday and they didn't ever go? Because there is a difference. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what would have been a great question some... to ask. She said, leaning yeah. into the microphone. <laughs> Lucky for you guys, I asked that question of Nick Crum, well, who's part of that. Well, so we get to well. hear some of that okay. on Sunday. Okay, great. Um, okay, uh, Jason had a bunch of different stuff to say. I think, Jason, you might be in the chat as well. So hello. Um, Sue, Kelly, Shelley, Jason, everybody thought it was very, very strange that they, he wouldn't have been interviewed again. Um, as Jason puts it, the guy who liked to play with knives, who clearly hated Becky. Um, so about that knife, would love to talk about that for a second. I'm seeing some um, stuff in the chat about a butterfly knife. It might be good to get clarification on what a butter 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 knife, what a butterfly knife yeah. is, uh, why someone would have it, what it would be used for, and to follow that up, is it possible that Becky was stabbed? 
before ending up in the wheelbarrow. It's possible she was stabbed. It would have to be where it didn't show any obvious marks on like bone. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly possible that she was stabbed. We don't know because the you know the portion where we're assuming the injury to her body was was kind of burned up, so you couldn't tell. Um, as far as what a butterfly knife is, they are they're a knife where like the if you can imagine like if you're looking at a knife and the handle is split into two pieces that both hinge at the bottom of the blade. Um, so to close it, you would fold the, and for people that are on YouTube, you could see, so like, if this is the handle, the blade would be up here and to close it, you take the two handles and they fold up and people like to, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you've ever watched an action movie, you've seen the, the quote unquote bad guy in the action movie, whip a knife out and he whips it around in the eighties an action movie in the eighties. Yeah. (laughs) That's a butterfly knife. Yeah. Because people will take them and like do tricks with them and like spin them around and like close them and spin them around and open them. Why somebody would have one. I don't know. I think one of my kids had one at some point. I I have a coworker that has one in the station right now. Yeah. They're just, they're they're like nostalgia of the Mm eighties, the, the butterfly knife. So yeah, the fact that he had, it doesn't really mean anything. If they, if that is, then I think my, my 21 year old, uh, had one when he was like 16. He like, mm-hmm. I think we took it from him because he like came home from like a flea market or a fair or something. He's like, look at this cool knife I got. And we're like, thank We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for that present. He also has a samurai sword. Okay. Yeah, he has a samurai sword. All right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, um, also, Beth and Beth and YouTube, when I was mentioning um, somebody or that I need time to get the, the phone numbers all put in there, she said that I need an intern. <laughs> First of all, that's true. Uh, second of all, th- this is so tricky for me because I don't like most of the people that I'm connected with online, I don't actually know them. And this is such, it's not like a, a file that I'm having somebody help me break down or organize that might have a little bit of, um, information that they shouldn't have, that shouldn't be made public in there. It's like the entire thing is full of right. stuff that's not public. So it's hard for me to find, you know. You know, here's a group of people that I can trust to help me break this stuff down because I'm taking something that cannot be public right. and giving it someone. So it's it's tricky. Right. Uh, Lauren and I'm sure everyone else, uh, we are all wondering, uh, is there any evidence at all that Austin actually did anything to whoever this, quote, girl he didn't like was, presumably Becky? Um, and and along with that, you know, do we know if he has a record of violence? Does he have a history that is known publicly in any way? I haven't seen any history of violence. Um, he's got a little bit of a of a history, but there's n- nothing violent that I've come across so far. Uh, and no, we don't know that if he did anything to. But but it makes you wonder. One thing that some people were discussing on Facebook that I that I thought was a good point because you know we sometimes we look at things and it's like this like oh we're investigating a murder and this guy had a problem with her so he must you know so he could be a suspect which is you know should be somebody that's considered but somebody's like what what would cause and it's a really good question what would cause your roommate to go confront your ex-girlfriend after she broke up with you he doesn't seem to he certainly in his interview at least doesn't seem to be too connected to Jacob like, what could it be that upset it? And it's hard to believe that it would have anything to do with her breaking up right. with Jacob. And it, so it, it makes me it, – so it's it's definitely one that I don't know the answer to. I have, I've speculated a couple scenarios and people have speculated a couple scenarios. Um, 
Yeah, I had. Could she have owed him money? Yeah, I actually have sort of a little section of that. If you don't mind, like we can kind of hit that a little harder in actually like one or two questions from here. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, and just to acknowledge in the chat, AA, I know you mentioned it's not so much that he owned that knife. It's the way in which it was described that he used it and perhaps used it to make people feel uncomfortable or intimidated or that he was someone to be feared, etc. Going back to this altercation, this mysterious altercation at Denny's, um, Jennifer wants to know. Uh, how does does Javi not know exactly what was said? Does anyone actually ask him exactly what was said? Um, if there's this this conversation about a report having had to be written up by someone, um, how does Javi not know what Austin was so upset about or was just no one asking any of those questions? It's everybody wants to know more. Somebody put it like, Bob, when are you going to tell us the rest about the altercation? Like, I told everything I know. Yeah. Like, that was one of those like. Hello, where's the follow up when he's in an interview is like, oh, yeah, Austin Alba, I, when I was dropping Becky off or picking her up, I don't remember which one he said, you know, he like confronted her and the manager had to come out and kick him out. And then she had to file a report about it. It was like this big altercation with Austin. And he even like like says his name. I think he even spells his name that that's who it was. And then the like the the officer doesn't like, well, what was that about? Like he doesn't follow up and it's never discussed again. So I don't have any more information about that. We hear about it later, years later from the Denny's manager, but the, but it's just like, yeah, I was some, and this is where like the game of telephone got like construed into maybe it was Robert after Robert right. got, because it was like some ex-boyfriend came. But again, there was one eyewitness. It was Javier who said it was Austin. I saw, he knows Austin. It was Austin. Um, We never get any more information about it. And I, I would love to, it would be really nice if I could ever talk to Javier um, and I, I have a million questions for him, but um, no luck with that so far. Um, and then just to clarify that, well, again, this now all of our brains are going back to this idea of like maybe all of this was investigated and we just don't know it. Um, Lynn uh, wants to know, did Austin or Jacob testify at trial? Steve chimed in on Facebook and said no, but just wanted to throw that out there um, in the official follow up. Yeah, no, neither of them. Neither of them did. And they weren't allowed to be brought up. <sighs> as, yeah. as far as, you know, any third party culpability was outlawed at trial. Yeah. Waiting on a tax return. Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, Sarah and a few other people were interested in this mentioning of Austin and working the Wells Fargo job. Anything to that? Was he fired? When did he leave? No one knows. No one asked. Okay. Four minute interview. That's all we have is a four minute interview. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So that kind of does take us into this idea of if we are kind of drawing a circle around Austin as far as the crime goes. Yes. On on Facebook, there's a lot of speculation about what that what that combination of people could be if it is Austin and a random person that we don't know, if it is potentially could be Austin and his roommate or Austin and Javi or Austin and someone um, just sort of people trying again, I think, 
um, speculation is dangerous, but it's also a product of not having enough investigative material. (laughs) So people are Mm -hmm. trying to draw connections because everyone's trying to think of everything because there's just not a lot there to go on. Um, But yeah, I mean, and that kind of takes us back to like Evan had said something about, you know, going back into ballistics or going back into the guns that were used. Like if this was two people bringing guns up to a situation to use in a threatening or intimidating manner, butterfly knife, uh, and then it does get, quote unquote, out of hand uh, and someone does get shot with birdshot because no one ever really thought that they were going to shoot anybody with birdshot. Could we be looking more at something towards what Jim Clementi was postulating? Like, could this be a situation where something got out of hand and it is an immature, um, rash act uh, whether or not, you know, whoever was the target. Um, so all of that is kind of swirling around this question of motive and and does Austin fit into that somehow? I realize that's not a question. Go ahead, and you guys. You guys go ahead and just discuss it. I'll just sit here and listen to both of you because I adore you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think we we just have to be very careful about what we say and what we do moving forward because there's points in this case where we're going to come across like this mention of Alex saying the the mention of the mall where he said, you remember what happened to the last girl that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. That's that's this is what we hear. This is what we know. This reminds me of the West Memphis three part uh, case with the softball girls. Right. We don't really know what happened. This is just hearsay. We, and we have to be very careful with that moving forward. Obviously, it does look like Austin's somebody we should look into, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean he did. Sure. It. it doesn't. We have to be very careful. I really appreciate you saying that, Zach. Great point. Great, great, great point. Bob, thoughts? Yeah. And and, and I don't know. I'm, I mean, my brain's swirling. I, I keep coming back to, and, and somebody uh, in the YouTube chat, um, I can't read it. My eyes aren't that good, um, but the name. But they, they said, um, you know, every season, we always there's always something, some piece of information that comes out where we're like, oh, and it makes everything clearer. And they said, is, is that moment coming? And I hope so. And that's why, like, I'm glad you said that because that's why we're doing this. That's why for people are like, why are we just listening to all these interviews and why are we going through all these people? Like, there's other places people want to go with the case. We're doing it because we're looking for that thing that's going to make things clearer. For me, it I haven't seen it yet. I don't, I don't know. I, I just keep coming back to something stinks. Something's not right here. People are people are hiding things they're lying about things um so yeah i don't know i don't have an opinion if austin austin is someone if i was investigating this case as an investigator obviously there's steps i would take they haven't taken austin would be someone okay we need to look more into him for all the reasons we've already discussed but that doesn't mean that i think austin did it um or was involved in it or knows who did it it seems like i don't know I don't know what it seems like. It just seems like something's 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 going on here with this friend group. And then and keep in mind that we may find out at the end of this, like, oh, you know, the big moment might be, you know, oh, they were all dealing drugs and that's why they were lying about stuff. And it has nothing to do with this crime. Or it could be like, oh, that was the trigger. Like you can see you can see motive, but it's hard to, you know, in a lot of these places Javi's uh, was described by Alex as kind of obsession with Becky and her, you know, breaking up with Jacob, but then talking to Robert, that could be a motive uh, that, you know, her breaking up with Jacob could be a motive. Austin doesn't like her 
and and had a confrontation. There's like there's all possible motives, but man, it's hard to it's hard to convert those motives into a triple homicide, right? So so I don't know. I think we just need to keep digging. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting too, because if it is something that is noteworthy and that potentially is illegal, um, and yet it does not speak to this crime. Perhaps that would be a reason that the police would go, well, we're just going to go ahead and extract all of that out because we kept telling people you're not going to get in trouble for telling us this stuff about pot or you're not going to get in trouble for telling us stuff about drugs. And so it becomes like this lives in its own folder. Maybe we'll deal with this at some point or maybe we kind Mm -hmm. of gave immunity to someone or maybe someone was a CI or whatever. And again, that's just more speculation. Um, so tr- all tricky, but so, so good that, that you said that I think, uh, Zach, and, um, I think we probably could safely reiterate that every single follow-up and still be, be, uh, in good shape. Um, a couple of things just about how, oh, and the other thing I was going to say is this, which is, um, I was talking to my partner about this and, um, and kind of trying to encapsulate stuff. And he started asking me questions, you know, about Ron, for example. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I forgot to tell you, we're still not technically in suspects. Like, we're still just trying to figure out literally (laughs) what happened that weekend. We are still just trying to figure out where everyone was. We are still just trying to figure out, like, who was where. And that is where all of this stuff is coming unglued. And that's where the threads are being pulled. I was like, I can't tell you anything about Robert and Christian because... Right now, we're just trying to figure out, like, wait, what really happened? Who was really where and why? But a lot of other stuff Mm -hmm. is leaking out in these interviews, and we're trying to address it. So in terms of talking about why could this be a wrongful conviction and stuff, I know we have a long way to go. And I hope people will hang in there because, you know, there is so much that uh, we all want to, you know, get dive back into. Yet this is going to have, you know, we got to look at this stuff, too. Anyway. And a lot of what we're what we're drawing out of all these interviews is still victimology. Yeah, you know, like like how do you learn about Becky more and even some of her family more than hearing the people that were around her around that time? It's it, it it's it, there, there's a lot of value in what we're and the information we're getting. Yeah. Um, uh, Kylie wants to know, uh, you had mentioned uh, that there are a couple more interviews with Javi. Are those going to be things that we hear? Are they going to be things that you want to drop transcripts for? Um, w- anything on that? I think, I, I think we've covered, there's been the one, two, three, four interviews. I think that's all of the police interviews with him. And then there's, you know, there's like grand jury testimony and trial testimony and stuff that we're going to get to later. But I don't think there's any more police interviews. Okay. Um, And uh, also there's been some question in Facebook and in the chat about Javi moving to Sacramento a few months after the murder. Um, I went back and listened to one of Javi's earliest interviews, and he mentions moving to Sacramento before. So I don't Mm -hmm. know that there's a significance there. We, We people are talking about his mom and her political uh, station and perhaps that being a part of it. But um, I, 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 I just realized that in one of his early interviews, he says, when she was in Santa Clarita, before I moved to Sacramento, we were talking about once a week. Then, I, you know, then yeah. I had a party down here. So just in case that it doesn't really help clarify anything, but just in case anyone's wondering, Sacramento was in the picture before this even happened, like in some frame and or another. Could, and this is a huge time in their lives. These are these are right after they graduated high school. Like it's a time when people will be 
going to school or getting jobs or doing whatever and moving around. Um, so it's hard to put any real weight on somebody, you know, the fact that they moved right after that, the, the, you know, whether the, that means anything. Right. Okay. Um, Valeria says, we've heard from a few people how difficult it was to negotiate roads up in, uh, in Pinion. Do you think that the fact that Becky had to go to Nick Corlines to meet Javi and Bo after the party on Friday night means that, for example, maybe neither Javi nor Bo would be able to find her house in the dark? Does that help anything with the clarification of, like, who could be who could do it? What areas do they know? How hard would it be to, to navigate that area? It's possible. I like the like the way Alex described it is perfect. In the fact that, like, it's very tr- tricky to – you look at a map and it doesn't seem that way. But it is, like, having been up there, like, all the roads look the same. They're all dirt. It's easy to get turned around without GPS or anything. Um, but also, the weird thing is that um, I think Javier said, well, we'd been drinking. So that's why uh, Becky came down to pick me up or picked us up. And then Bo says – Javier got into Becky's car and then Bo followed in his car. That's right. So it's like, so it's like maybe he didn't know where, like there's a million things that like was Javi just trying to involve Becky somehow in that. So she came to get him because of their relationship or whatever. It doesn't seem like it was because Bo was too drunk to drive because he drove up there. So I don't know why Bo couldn't have just driven them both up there, or it could be exactly what what's being suggested here, which is that it's just you know in the dark, it's too hard to find their way up to the, you know, up to her house, you know, even even for Javier. Uh, so they had her come down to kind of lead them up there. I don't know. Okay, um, Veronica, Sonia, Jeanette, a lot of people asking in the Facebook about Tiffany, uh, just about their issues about. Um, timelines. Lynn, I know, wanted to know when that disagreement happened, um, the sort of overall chronology of Becky's moves and, you know, how long she had been with John and Vicky. Um, do you know any of that? And are we going to get to that at a later episode when we get more into We're going to get to it. Tif- Tiffany was interviewed and Drew was interviewed. So we're going to get into some of those family dynamics next after we move out of these uh, out of this group. Okay. Um, but it was nice to get a little bit of information if what's, what Alex says is accurate that, you know, we know that Becky was living with what we thought was her dad, but it wasn't. It was Chuck, who was her mom's boyfriend before John, who is who Tiffany lived with and, ma- and maintained a very close relationship with Chuck over the years until Chuck passed away. Um, that that you know we know that she was there, and then it was through a disagreement about Tiffany having an issue with Ron, Becky's dad, who's not Tiffany's dad. Um, and that she came back. I don't know. We don't know if that's true, but it's just it's a little more information that we can start pulling up. Right. We're almost done. Don't worry. Um, so getting back into Robert and Christian a little bit. Uh, Bonnie says wants to know um, what's the story that Alex talks about when he said he heard that Christian had hit someone. Um, it's hearsay, but so is a lot of the stuff that's being talked about in these discussions. Yeah. I- any any info on that? No, not yet. I mean, I, I've I've listened to a lot of interviews, and and we're going to get into more of the case against. You'll be shocked when we get. I think everybody's wanting to dig into the Robert Christian. Like when we get into it, there's far less there as far as an investigation into them than there is the investigation into like the Javier and Jacob group in the file. Um, so I'll look more into that. But yeah, all we I know what you know. It's the first time and the only time that I so far have heard anything like that. Hmm. that he's, I think he says, you know. 
Well, I heard that he actually has hit a girl, but that's what I heard from some, again, an unnamed person said that they heard that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's true or if it's not true. I've never heard anything like that other than in Alex's interview. And where we are right now, too, in the investigation is really focusing on what was happening in the days and months that followed the original investigation. Right. You're not we we haven't really been peppering in much from presumably whatever when it was reopened was gathered up additionally that ended up building the case against Robert and Christian. Yeah. And really what I'm kind of focused on is, is, is going from, you know, people do an interview they're mentioning other people, but they're mentioning people that were around that weekend. So again, it has a lot more to do with Becky's victimology than anything else, because we're 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 really focused on those those weeks right after the murders, where people you know what people were saying, where they were at, what Becky was doing, what their interactions were, so we can get a better idea of what she was up to that weekend. Um, you know, unfortunately, Alex wasn't interviewed until you know, eight months later, but he's, he's somebody that's connected because he was mentioned by everybody else on that day. Yeah. Um, Kristen, I just wanted to quickly acknowledge you had mentioned something on Facebook about uh, the forgot my shirt phone call. I I feel like we will, we'll have to do like a catch up episode where we revisit some of the timeline mm-hmm. stuff because that, that is a thing that keeps bothering me too. Like the, could the, the payphone have come into play still just puzzling over and over. I can't tell you how much time I think about uh, wondering whether that call happened and when it would have happened and when her shift would have started. And like, are, right. is it, are, we, is it, are we really just taking stabs in the dark? Like when I worked at Pottery Barn, humble brag, we had very specific <laughs> set times. So it was like right. you worked seven to four or you worked eight to five or you worked 10 to set. You know what I mean? So it was like it wasn't like mm-hmm. you could have worked, started work at any hour, like might have been eight, might have been nine, might have been 10, might have been 11. Like that just right. seems so. I was, you know, you sort of hope for the lens crafters. Uh, sorry, reference to old case uh, moment where you you have an understanding of what shifts there were. Um, but so let's mm-hmm. let's 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 dedicate ourselves to coming back to that. And I've also been collecting again a lot of questions that I'm sort of trying to group into like maybe we just have a catch up episode where if there isn't a regular episode that week, we can address. All of the follow up questions that fall into these certain categories that we just don't always have time for because they relate to so many other things Um, about Nick Corline. Amanda says, did anyone else find it interesting that Nick had a red truck the day after the crime, but had a brand new vehicle or a new vehicle vehicle to him by the time that Alex was interviewed uh, a few months later? Um, Wanted to just point that out. Interesting. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't catch that. Um, I didn't catch it either. Did you catch that, Janet, in the. I missed in the it. Interview that he mentioned Nick having a new vehicle. I missed it. Yeah, that's why I put it in here. I was like, oh wait, hmm. hmm. We'll yeah, I'll have to go back and listen to that. I'm sorry, I don't have the answer to that because I didn't notice him mentioning Nick and Nick Corline. Maybe he was talking about Nick Crum. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll we'll circle back. To oh, that. maybe he was talking about Nick Crum. Uh, okay. Uh, generally, Jamie's wondering: Has anyone interviewed any of the significant others uh, of these various, um, in particular, male folks that? Um, are being accused of being violent in some way or another or being speculated as being violent by people being interviewed and stuff. Um, just again, to get some context on whether or not any of that is supported by no, anything. Not, not, not yet. No. Um, Daryl wants to just get, I mean, maybe we can stick this in a document somewhere, but Daryl's still just trying to get um, his head wrapped around who else from the Javi friend group was interviewed between Corey and Alex He's just hoping to get a better uh, sense of the sequence of questioning and stories. Um, 
I don't know if you want to go through that now or if that's more of a like we figured that out on Facebook. Yeah, I'll have to go back through it because also there's some there's some some issues there that make that a little more confusing that you'll hear soon. Okay, and then uh, Chris, uh, Chris W. and Lucy, listen, they built in their perfect final question for the episode. Any teases for this Nick Crumb interview coming up, Bob? I think I've been peppering. You have been peppering teases in you throughout have the, the whole episode. Definitely been peppering. Um, it, it's uh, yeah, just just listen. I I, I do want to say that when you listen, there was something with the phone. There's 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 several times throughout where his. Anybody that knows audio knows what clipping means, um, but we're but I'm kind of perfectionist about the way our, our podcast sounds. It's driving me nuts when I was listening back through it. That there's some spots where Nick sounds a little. It's not muffled. You can hear everything, but it just it's unpleasing to the ear. So okay. just know that that's coming. But other than that, it's uh, it's close to an hour interview. Um, right. I found Nick to be very credible. You know, it, who knows if is, you know, it's, it's so many years later, how, how tight his memory is about certain things, but he's got some, some really, really good information. Um, and I followed up with him since that interview too, um, about a few things that, you know, right towards the end of the interview, we get into something that was kind of a throwaway stuff story. He was telling me that I found to be pretty interesting. So check it out. And then, uh, next week throughout the week, I'm going to try to throw out his, uh, 2015 and 2016 interviews, as bonus episodes, and then I'm right. What I'm working on right now is uh, Jessica Henry because he also mentions Jessica Henry. So we're gonna just just keep going, keep pulling at the rhetorical string. You gotta come up with a new metaphor. Got to come up with a new metaphor. The end of the string is there. And somewhere. don't say breadcrumbs, uh, please. Don't say breadcrumbs. That's already also <laughs> too overused. You've maxed out my metaphors. Those are the only two I have. Um, and with that, we will let you guys go. Uh, everybody on YouTube, thank you. Everybody who submitted questions through other forms, we appreciate that. Um, stay tuned. Don't forget Tuesday. Uh, you can ask me anything. Uh, it's for the True Crime Binge uh, 100th episode, but um, it's still me. So if you don't listen to True Crime Binge, you can still ask me questions. And you can ask me some stuff. Uh, so that's Damn. Tuesday at 7 o'clock. It'll be on this YouTube channel. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. And thank you for my hat. Ahoy. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. 
Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Okay, great. I'm going to wear an eye patch next week just for you. Right. I appreciate you. Huh? What? Oh, also, Janet. Also, I was laughing Definitely because as not Janet was fucking with stuff. Her- That's what it would be like when the big earthquake hits. I'll probably be podcasting with you two when the <laughs> podcast, the- and, and Zach will be like, oh, this is a great bit. Janet does this thing where, Janet? Janet? <laughs> <laughs> Janet? Where, what? Where'd you go? Yeah.